just a couple of thoughts around Jesus as a refugee. And I think uh, every Christmas time we kind of gloss over the part that Jesus actually fled for his life like so many other people in the world have to do. And uh, the current news bulletins at the moment are full of stories of refugees fleeing wars, of persecution, or other tragedies in the world, places like the Middle East, Iran, Syria, Ukraine, all over the world. And as you saw in that video that the kids put together at the beginning, a hundred million people at this point in our history are displaced all over the world, and 36 million of those are children. And so it is good for us just to reflect a little bit as we think about Christmas that after Jesus was born, he too was a refugee in uh, another land, and we can often miss that as we reflect on that at Christmas time. So what does the Bible say then about this flight into Egypt? And I've got a couple of very simple things I'd like to remind you about this morning, this morning, this evening. Forgive me. All right. Uh, we read the story in Matthew chapter 2, verse 13, and it says this, Now after they, speaking of the wise men, had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night, and went to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, Out of Egypt I have called my son. And when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he was infuriated, and he sent and killed all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had learned from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what had been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, wailing and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. And she refused to be consoled because they were no more. So a couple of little questions. How old was Jesus when his family left for Bethlehem? Uh, left Bethlehem? Well, in the timeline of the biblical story, it suggests that Jesus was perhaps about a year old when the wise men visited Herod. It's not always easy to tell, uh, to, uh, to tell exactly from history, but that's what most people think. And so Herod, to make sure that he was, he was determined to destroy all the children uh, who might be a threat to him as king, and so he gave this command to target all the boys under the age of two. And he was an insecure, jealous, vindictive, small man, and history tells us that. In fact, history tells us that he killed his own sons, that they wouldn't usurp him as, ki as king. And uh, he was a cruel and evil man, and that's what he um, asked to be done. And so as a result of that, they go to Egypt. Why did they go to Egypt? Well, it was the most obvious safe place to find re refuge. Uh, Egypt and Judea were linked by a coastal road called the Via Marie, which is the way of the sea. And so they went down the coastal path, and it was outside the rule of King Herod, but it was still in the Roman Empire. And we know that many Jews had lived in um, that part of Egypt for hundreds and hundreds of years. Uh, there was around the time of Jeremiah already, which is about 600 years before Jesus was born, Jews were already living 
in North Africa, in Egypt, and we know that from Jeremiah 41. And uh, we know that they spoke Greek as their everyday language. And the first translation that we have of the Old Testament, the Septuagint, is, was made by Jews in the third century before Christ, was translated by Jews th 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 three centuries before Jesus in Alexandra. And that's the first copy that we have of the Pentateuch in Greek. And so where did they stay? Where did uh, Jesus and his family stay? Well, we don't really know from the, from the Bible. Um, Matthew is very brief in its description, but according to Greek to, to tradition, the, Egypt, the Egyptian Coptic church, if you ever visit Egypt, there are a number of places that you can visit in Egypt, which tradition says Jesus and his family stayed in while they were in exile for those a number of years after he fled for his life. And how did they pay for it? That's always a, a good question to ask. Uh, they were poor. How did they pay for these two years that they had in Egypt? Well, we know that Joseph's family was, pure, uh, was poor because when time came for Jesus to be circumcised, we know from the Gospel of Luke that they went and they offered sacrifices like every Jewish family would do. And they were poor because they could only offer a pigeon as a sacrifice. More wealthy people would offer a lamb as a sacrifice, as, as purification, but they, offer, they could only pay the sacrifice of a pigeon. And so some people think that the gold that the wise men gave as a gift was the finance that jo Joseph and Mary used to, for those two years that they were in Egypt. And we think it's about two years because it says in the scripture that Herod died and uh, it says that's how long they stayed in Egypt for. Uh, there's a guy called Josephus who's a Jewish historian and he wrote a book about the history of the Jewish people. And from that we know that Herod died after a lunar eclipse, after uh, events like that. And so there are estimates that he died just around the time of, of Jesus. There are three possibilities depending on which eclipse was chosen. And we know we can trust that uh, we can trust Josephus' writing because they actually discovered King Herod's tomb uh, in, in uh, Herodium described exactly as, as um, Josephus describes it. And that's just south of Bethlehem. So we can trust what Josephus said about Herod's death. And so we think it was about two years, and then Jesus went back to Nazareth. We know that from Matthew. And so I just want to say this as we think about Christmas. It is a good time for us to reflect that the Bible speaks a lot about outsiders. The Bible might not use the word refugee, but it certainly included, for example, in Leviticus 19, where this instruction is given, any foreigner residing amongst you must be treated as a native born. Love them as yourself, for you too were foreigners in Egypt. That's what the people of Israel were asked to do in Leviticus. And we might not know much about Jesus' time in exile, but it does remind us that we need to care for refugees as Jesus himself was a refugee. And I think perhaps Matthew 25, when Jesus says this, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. Perhaps in his mind, he was reflecting back to his own childhood in that time that he spent 
in Egypt. And so I put it to you as we think of Christmas time, that the injunction of Hebrews says, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, Hebrews 13. Let, it, let us keep that utmost in our minds as we think about Christmas this year. And I want to just, as an example of Jesus' attitude to uh, outsiders, I want to just reflect on one, one group of people called the Samaritans. Uh, and if you read the New Testament, the Samaritans come up a number of times. We know about the Good Samaritan. We know about the woman at the well who was a Samaritan. Well, who were the Samaritans? And why did the Jews and the Samaritans hate each other? Well, 700 years before Jesus, the northern kingdom of Israel fell to the Assyrians. And the Assyrians took off a whole lot of people into captivity. And those that remained, some Jews that remained in the northern kingdom, they intermarried with local Gentiles, and so they kept up the tradition of the Jewish people, so they were, but they intermarried with the local people planted there by the Syrians, and they became known as Samaritans. They were half Jewish, half Gentiles, and they held to the Pentateuch, but the Jewish people considered them to be heretics because they said Jerusalem was not the holy place, Mount Gerizim, which is a, a mountain in that area, was the place that people were called to worship. And so there was this enmity between these two groups of people for 700 years. And by the time Jesus is born, they couldn't stand each other. In fact, Jews would w cross the Jordan and go through a different part of Israel so they would avoid Samaria altogether. And they used to fight each other. Violence was done between the two groups. And so here in John 4, we see this story of this Samaritan woman who's a political enemy of Jesus. She's a woman. He shouldn't even been speaking to her. Uh, there was violence done between Samaritans and Jews. They just did not mix. And what does Jesus do to this outcast woman as a Jewish man? He responds to her as someone made in the image of God worthy of redemption, and he offers her redemption. And she becomes an agent of redemption for her people. Jesus doesn't turn away for her. He doesn't step, uh, uh, turn away from her. He doesn't step back. He steps forward, and he engages with her. And she becomes part of the salvation story. What about the lepers, who are also, we read in Luke 17, you remember the story of the lepers that were healed by Jesus? Well, there was only one who came back. Do you know he was a Samaritan? He came back to Jesus and he said, thank you. He was the only one, the Bible says, that came back to thank Jesus for healing him. And so, again, Jesus steps towards this leper, this man, and shows kindness and grace towards him and heals him. What about the parable of the Good Samaritan? Well, we all know that well, don't we? Luke 10. And Jesus answers this question. He says, who's my neighbor? They ask of Jesus, who's my neighbor? And he shows through this, the life of the Samaritan man that the Samaritan man was modeling what it means to be a good neighbor. And the religious Jews of the day were modeling what, what, what was not to be a good neighbor. And so he uses this outcast, this Jewish, this political enemy of the Jews as an example of how we are to treat other people. And again, the story says the Samaritan doesn't step away from the need. He steps towards the need, and he engages with what the need is. And I think uh, Jesus wants us to do the same in every opportunity that we have to engage 
and step towards what is needed and to love those that are foreigners amongst us. And I come and say that as an immigrant who's lived here for 22 years and this nation has only treated me with kindness and compassion and mercy. And I'm so grateful. Matthew 25 says this, Jesus speaking. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. And all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people from one to another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And he will say as the king to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For when I was hungry... You gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick in prison or go and visit you? And the king will reply, truly, I say, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Whatever way you try and read that passage, it advocates mercy towards other people, those that are suffering. And I want to encourage you as a follower of Jesus, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you love Jesus, that you would choose to turn towards, not away from, those that are immigrants, asylum seekers, those that are suffering, those that need justice, that in your heart and in your actions, you would turn towards them, not away from them, and embrace them as Jesus has embraced you and I as sons and daughters.